Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas on how to lead your church into the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Now, here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr. Welcome to the Future Christian Podcast. This is Lauren Richmond Jr., and today we're welcoming Ulysses Allen to the show. Ulysses is the Director of Recruitment and Retention and a candidate for the Doctor of Ministry in Homiletics at Phillips Theological Seminary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He enjoys helping prospective students map out their journey in theological education in the Christian tradition. His short-term goal is to complete his Doctor of Ministry with the emphasis in homiletics by the spring of 2025, and his long-term goal is to continue his pursuit in higher education as a director start a nonprofit organization geared toward athletic chaplaincy, and become a senior pastor of a church. His philosophical mantra is that it's better to serve than to be served. All right, welcome to the Future Christian Podcast. This is Lauren Richmond Jr., and today I am pleased to be joined by Reverend Ulysses Allen, uh, thanks so much for being here. Anything else you'd like our listeners to know about you? Well, wow, thank you, Lauren. Uh, yeah, it's just one of the biggest things is uh, I'm, I'm a high spirit to guy. Uh, I live life like, you know, high speed and low drag with some terms that uh, I learned in the, uh, as I did basic training for the National Guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, stay alert, stay alive. Uh, just high spirit, to, you know, uh, it's a great day to be alive. So uh, very positive and high spirited. And that's what I, you know, want people to know. I bring I bring energy. You have to bring it each and every day, especially in okay, this well, line of work. Let's bring that energy. Yes. That's good. That's good. I need the energy today. I'm feeling a little worn out. So you gotcha. bring it to me for this interview. Um, you let's just talk about your faith journey, what that looked like for you in the past and what it looks like today. Yeah. So one, growing up in New Iberia, Louisiana, uh being raised Catholic, uh Roman Catholic, uh Catholic Catholicism is huge in southern Louisiana. And just matriculating in, uh, as I got older, matriculating, I went through the uh, confirmation catechism. Uh, but then once I entered uh, college and really was able to, to uh, move away from home, that's when I really started to look at more of a, a Baptist, non-denominational type uh, spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. And it was in 2007 uh, that I accepted my calling uh, into ministry. And it was just, you know, I remember it. Uh, around Easter. So that really uh, brought me to a place where I did a lot of reading, a lot of uh, research, and a lot of trying to understand uh, a greater understanding of just the scripture, the sacred text. Mm-hmm. So, and what, it, and what it meant to be a true follower of Christ and salvation and understanding the power of the name of Jesus Christ, you know. So that was that. And then uh, with that, Currently now, you know, as I've uh, grown uh, in ministry, grown in life in at 2000, you know, 2023, I've seen what I've seen uh, still one, you know, strong on the foundation of uh, Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, strong on understanding and uh, really engaging uh, the scripture. So one, mm-hmm. a follower uh, understands that, you know, Jesus is my Savior and wanting to, un- uh, you know, to unpack scripture. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where my faith journey is at. 
Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So what's what's a spiritual practice that's kind of meaningful for you? One, uh, I think a lot is prayer. You know, I catch yeah. myself praying throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, you know, I pray with my uh, my young boys, Ethan and Eli. I try to pray with them every morning. Mm. And uh, just those mm-hmm. words of prayer and affirmation, uh, just speaking life into each and every situation. So that's a a big part of my spirit, my uh, spiritual practice, prayer, affirmation, mm-hmm. speaking life. Yeah, I appreciate you saying, saying that. I've, you know, I really try to myself to just, you mentioned kind of being prayer constantly throughout the day. I, I found that, I don't want to say, I don't want to say helpful. Um, you know, I'm just thinking back to, a situation I heard about a tragedy, someone in the hospital, a tough situation here just, just a couple hours ago. And, you know, obviously there's nothing I can do. Right. But I took comfort in, in being able to say a prayer for them right then, even in my head. Right. Um, you know, I don't, I shouldn't get into too much here before we get into our main content, but Ulysses, it sounds like you're a person who appreciates prayer. What do you think, it seems like prayer can often be discouraged or forgotten about mm. in mainline contexts. Mm. What do you think? Uh, any thoughts what that's about, how we can encourage more prayer? Yeah, you know, I've, I've given a lot of thought of, you know, especially working in, you know, growing up, I mean, working in schools. You know, that's been mm-hmm. pretty much my my background, working in schools and understanding, you know, separation of church and state. And then looking mm-hmm. at places where, well, you know, not to force anyone, a particular uh, denomination or force them to pray the way that you pray. And just for me, I, I wish there was a space where you could openly say, look, you know, at this hour, at this point, you know, no matter what denomination and what religion, whatever mm-hmm. you feel, whoever you feel is your higher being is mm-hmm. an opportunity to speak with that higher being throughout your day, mm-hmm. you know, at, at your work, at wherever you are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Be encouraged to to do that. And and I think hopefully, you know, what I say, I, I believe that, you know, that's the way you can do that without uh, uh, offending someone else. Because sometimes mm-hmm. I, I know for myself when I'm having a day and just having that moment to just sit down and be like, all right, you know, Lord, just, just help me. Help mm-hmm. me make it through the next three hours. Help me make it through this next meeting. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord, you know what I'm saying? Thank you for, you know, such a wonderful day today. I feel rejoiced. I, I feel uh, rejuvenated. I feel I feel energized. You know, things happen no matter how your work is. And me personally, being in, a, in a, the service business where a lot of what I do is serving others mm-hmm. and asking them, like, hey, what can I do to help you? I need that encouragement sometimes to just yeah. to be poured back in myself to where I can yeah. stay sane and stay excited and, and it's like all right i want to help you instead of being like you know what no nah. so yeah. i th- i wish we could lauren i, w- I wish we could yeah. find places to uh to just you know have an opportunity to just openly pray and mm-hmm. not and not anyone feel offended depending and it doesn't matter what denomination you are mm-hmm. you know to openly pray and to just you know sometimes cleanse your body of some of the the daily frustration you know, mm-hmm. and, and get and get that monkey off your back so that you can charge on or finish the day. I just, yeah. feel, you know, when I'm prayed up, worshiped up and praised up, 
that I have a better day. And then people around me have better days because I want to give more. I want to encourage more. But when I'm mm-hmm. feeling pain and feeling frustrated, all I think about giving pain and frustration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff there. It's good stuff. Yes. Well, well, thanks for engaging me with that. So, uh, Ulysses, you'll have to help me out with your title here. Um, Ulysses works for my alma mater, Phillips Seminary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And a full disclosure for our listeners here, I sound like NPR here. Uh, Phillips is a sponsor of the show. Um, but f- give us your title, your title there at Phillips. Yes, uh, my title here at Phillips is the Director of Recruitment and Retention. Great. At Phillips Theological so, Seminary. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, and I'm, I'm of the opinion that, um, you know, obviously there's a lot in flux, uh, and I'm sure you're well aware that I'm sure you all have those discussions at Phillips, you know, about the changing nature of church and theological education. So I wanted to bring uh, Ulysses on the show just to talk about some of these these trends that we're seeing. So I think I think I, I kind of told you I was going to have to have to ask some hard questions here. So this is probably the first one hard question yes. I need to ask. Um, you know, I have an MDiv from Phillips, and I'm really appreciative of that. I loved my time there. Like I still have, you can see behind me, uh, Ulysses Cannon video feed. Like all these books, most of these books are still from my seminary days. Mm-hmm. Really value the education there. I was really fortunate, even still, where I didn't have to take out a huge student loan debt load. Um, thankful yeah. because of some generosity from folks at Phillips and other other resources. Um, so it's a long way of saying, like, I'm not anti-seminary in any way. That being said, I've also, um, because of the changing nature of church careers and, and nonprofit work, that I've sort of wondered, maybe maybe it's in times of, like you talked about, when I'm feeling beat down and defeated, mm-hmm. that I've sort of wondered, like, why did I go to seminary? Like, was it a good career investment? You know, would I have been better off? Right. Doing something else with those three, four years of my life with that money. So mm. a real hard question off the off the top here for you. Like when you're talking to people at conferences or at events, like why seminary? What do you tell them that like, this is why seminary still matters despite all those challenges? Right. So Lauren, I will you know acknowledge and I, I understand, you know. What uh, what you're saying, and sometimes just like why, you know, why mm-hmm. seminary, you know, why spend this money, uh, do an eighty one, eighty two hour program for a master's degree mm-hmm. when you feel you it's a strong potential that you could be a doctor doing eighty two hours after a bachelor's, right. you know, right, right. So to answer your question, why seminary? So the one, it's one with seminary. Is a purpose. It's a calling. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I can say that many you know many degrees are purpose driven. You know, it's a call, but I know for sure that seminary is a purpose and a calling. So for anyone who is wise, seminary, someone who's looking to say that in my life that I'm looking right in aspects of lay or full time ministry, pulpit supply, or even community, 
uh, mm-hmm. outside the walls of the church or someone who say, I'm, I'm really looking to do some nonprofit. There's a great, a great opportunity to uh, obtain this seminary degree. And as you could say, a master's in divinity, which mm-hmm. is the largest degree program, uh, mostly in, in the longest uh, degree. And why? Because one, you look at ways of formation, right? Mm-hmm. As, as we matriculate in life, as we grow older, we look at ways of how are we going to, how are we forming? How is our formation in life? Seminary allows you to engage not only uh, texts when it comes down to biblical interpretation, exegetical mm-hmm. texts of what, you know, many people have considered to be their uh, their foundation in life, you know, the Holy Bible or the spirituality, right? Mm-hmm. Here at this Christian seminary. Also, you look at, you know, practical theology. Also, the, you know, you look at uh, just general theology and you look at, you know, conflict resolution. It was a lot of things that in my degrees that I received through health education, and health sciences that I didn't receive until I received the Master of Divinity. Hmm. One, it allowed me to find out and understand who am I better. Mm-hmm. You're in a classroom and you're, you know, one is, all right, write a paper about uh, uh, your spiritual beginning. Write mm-hmm. a paper about where you are today compared to where you were 10, 12 years ago. Most times you won't do that if you're pursuing an accounting degree. You won't do, right. you won't receive that if you're pursuing a health education degree. Also in classes of going over, you know, saying constructive theology and looking at a theologian from the past and the way that they analyze not only scripture and text, but analyze the uh you know the culture of what they were in. And then you take that and add it to your culture. Okay, what is what do we understand about humanity from times in the past to times now, people, and mm-hmm. how can we live in and grow within each other? I think seminary provides you with those type of foundations to engage tough texts, to, and tough scripture, to engage mm-hmm. the, the most difficult thing in anyone's life is themselves. Yeah. Understanding yeah. who you truly are is probably one of the most difficult things in life. And then once as seminarian, uh, you you start to engage that and you learn that. So that's why I believe seminary is still important. Formation, belonging, you know, getting with other others who are going through the same journey. And and honestly, it's a spiritual awakening in all of our lives. Yeah, I'm writing that down. Understanding who you are is one of the hardest things in life. Um, that's a good quote right there. True. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, Talk about... Um, Talk about, you know, why you've obviously been at Phillips here for a while. You mm-hmm. were, when did you start? What You started I, around when I graduated, right? 2013, 2012? No. So I started school in 2010 and I graduated okay. in 2015. Okay. So and I came at, back as uh, the recruiter, just a recruiter in uh, 2018. And, uh, and I've been at Phillips and I'll be honest with you. Part of it is, is the love that I have for Phillips because of, my intersection in life where I met deeper understanding of the theological education and Christian tradition, mm-hmm. in- engaging that at Phillips coming yeah. into the seminary, which I was like, you know, I heard stories. Don't lose your religion. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't go there. And people going to, you know, right. <laughs> tell you, teach right. you stuff. You're going to become an atheist, agnostic. You, right. you are going to be a non-believer. 
So I came in close and mm-hmm. I came in very uh, uh, dogmatic, but also biased. Mm-hmm. And it took professors like, you know, uh, Dr. Brandon Scott to push mm-hmm. that, uh, to really push my Jesus. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I came in with, hey, the reverence of Jesus in my life was, don't, don't, don't touch that. Don't play with mm-hmm. that. Don't even ask me to think about it. It's Jesus. I don't want, that's all I need to say, you know, but, uh, it was, it was push. Now, of course, for me, the benefit was I fell even more in love with, with what I was taught and what I read and what I learned about Jesus Christ and what it means to me. And Phillips became that place to where I had some of the greatest awakening Mm -hmm. in my life. And as a minister at Metropolitan Baptist Church, which we call the Met Church now, Mm -hmm. as I was serving there. And then serving people and finding that one, the confidence that I know that I've been called to serve. I've been called to preach. I've been called to teach. Mm-hmm. I've been called to walk with people in some of their their toughest life moments. So not only did seminary prepare me for that, but seminary at Phillips Theological Seminary prepared me for that. And, and it just stapled in my heart a love because hmm. I was able to go to, you know, go and be at the bedside of, of families right. at their toughest time. I won't go through any stories, but just families, you get a call and the family have lost a loved one mm-hmm. and you go there. And as a minister, what, by engaging seminary, by engaging all of the classes, learning that sometimes you don't have an answer. Yeah. So don't pretend. Just right. sit there and be present. Yeah. Just sit there, be present. But steady, but all alone inside of me, I'm praying. Mm-hmm. I'm asking God to heal, to help, to cover this family. But God is not giving me answers. So I, I can't answer. But if I wasn't confident in who I am and what I experienced through my seminary journey, I would go there trying to provide answers to questions uh, above hmm. above me, but because I'm confident to know that hey, it's okay if I don't have an answer. I don't I don't know why, you know, your loved one passed away in this type of way. I don't, but I'm here. I'm present. So yeah, seminary and Phillips, you know, it's just been a great love for me, and I've I've witnessed great growth. I've witnessed you know times where it's been setbacks, but. Just standing on, you know, your faith and the promises of of what you believe, mm-hmm. you know, and things you've learned from a place like this. So it's yeah. very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, it's. I like what you say there about confident. I think most people would think about confidence as confident in having the answer, and it's. I like how you say it: confident in not having, not having an answer. Exactly. Yeah. And we and we learn that here. I mean, we've been in classes together mm-hmm. and, and you you get you get ministers from all different type of do- denominations, mm-hmm. all different type of credentials and accolades and uh, sizes of churches. They work with different sizes within the cities, different right. parts of America. And we bring in all of these different experience experiences to a classroom where we're sitting and talking and not feeling like, well, not feeling intimidated because I'm in a room with great minds, but feeling empowered to be like, it's okay to sit here and listen and absorb. Mm-hmm. It's okay to 
you know, when you do have something to say, say it. When you don't, don't try to plug yourself into a conversation when it's probably not meant for you to be in that. <laughs> this opportunity right now is for you to listen. Yeah. And that's what happens with ministry, Lauren. I, I'll be honest. Yeah. I, I mean, I can remember they going to a home and I mean, this family was distraught. And, and at first I was feeling kind of scared. Like, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. But the, just my training in the, the spirit of it was like, because of your title and what mm. you've been called to do, you being here means more than what any words you can say. Just mm-hmm. be present with this family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, it, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm here. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah, have to fix, stuff. you know, E equals MC square. <laughs> I don't yeah. have to know it. You know, right. I'm just here. Yeah. Yeah. The power and the power of presence, the gift of presence. That's good stuff. Yes. So uh, let's talk about some of the challenges that seminarians face, whether at Phillips or, you know, obviously some of those challenges are across the board, student loan debt, not as many jobs available. So do you want to talk about kind of what are some of the challenges you see and Phillips sees students facing and some of the ways that y'all are trying to help with that at Phillips? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you named probably the two biggest ones. I mean, mm-hmm. which I, I'll give you some more, but just to yeah, hit yeah. on those two real quick, student loan debt. Yeah. Uh, no, I came and I did my MDiv here at Phillips uh, at the time, uh, taking out loans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's available, it's uh, accessible, but it's it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to, to add that type of debt to one's life. Knowing that for most people in this profession, it's you are called, you are appointed, you do it because there's a great love. Mm-hmm. Most most people, I think, don't pursue seminary and pursue ministry or some form of uh, uh, laity work or some form of nonprofit work because they feel that one, I'm about to get to this to paper, I'm about to make right. a whole lot of money. Right. Hope so not to, anyway. Right. To come and spend this amount of time in school, you no know, gain this type of debt. I'm gonna say gain, but incur this type of right. debt. Could be, you know, that's that's a little. It's a little heavy. Yeah. And here at Phillips, I know for sure that we have tried to do our best to speak with students and explain to them before they get into it, you know, what you are uh, embarking on, Mm -hmm. that this is what we're trying to do. And Phillips offers 80%, 60% tuition scholarships. And part of it was because the great alum, also, uh, the great founder and CEO, former CEO of Quick Trip, Chester uh, Cadro, uh, felt with, with other leaders here at Phillips years ago before I was even thought of to come here, but felt that for those who are coming to be ministers or be laity, mm-hmm. to work and serve others, we want to try to make it as, as cost efficient as possible. Yeah. But even then, students take loans. So loans come back, and uh, Phillips, we tried to uh, – the the Business department, financial aid department, try to explain to students, you know, about what type of debt you you are incurring uh, when you take out so many loans, right? That's one of them. Lack of jobs. Uh, you know, the seminary goes with the church, you know, especially mainline denominations. Mm-hmm. As we see a decline in mainline 
uh, mainline denominations, uh, we do see that at some points you see seminaries uh, declining in role. ATS, which is the Association of Theological Schools, uh, come out with reports, and we can see where mainline denominations is are dropping far as you know people recording the amount of attendance, the churches, yeah. Yeah. but also you see where seminaries also do struggle as well because numbers, mm-hmm. because a lot of times if churches are growing, and then people are are, are accepting callings or accepting a passion for their journey in life to be someone who can preach, teach uh, in some form of spirituality, well, then we would hope that they want to be some type of formal education. Then yeah. that could send them to Phillips. But yeah. when people start to feel as if where uh, I, don't, I don't see that, I would just be blunt, I don't see the importance. Yeah. I can, I can do this without going to school. But then formal education starts to decline. Yeah. Also, you see that Pers- what we have seen now also is personal uh, circumstances, mm, right? Mm-hmm, With people, mm-hmm. people are going through certain things to where, yeah. Uh, if someone has been to school for a bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. right, in accounting, and they felt that you know what, I'm really connected with my church. I want to go and pursue a master's degree because we are a graduate level seminary, right? So we offer no bachelor's degrees. So someone is has a degree and they come here and they're like, well, I think I want to do it. But then life circumstances happen, you know, something with personal or something with health wise. Yeah. And because we uh, here at Phyllis with Students Encounter is uh, we do distant learning as well mm-hmm. as on campus. But we try to be as uh, accommodating to students who are miles and miles away as we would be for someone who lives down, who lives within Tulsa. Well, with that, some students run into issues with traveling yeah. because of health reasons, because of job reasons. So at times they feel like, I really want to come to school, Ulysses, but I, I'm not willing to give up my full-time job to come and be a full-time student. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of second career students who are coming here or bivocational students who are coming here, but their primary source of what would be income, you know, resources is somewhere else. So that's that's just some of the issues that our students face. And then ultimately it's just the the calling on your life. Yeah. Some students come and they want and they feel this calling. They feel this purpose. But then things shift within their life. It could be at that church they're at. Mm-hmm. They can feel that they uh either the church, the parishioners or the regional staff or the the denomination itself mm-hmm. is pushing them away from the church. Yeah. And that's all types of denominations. So yeah, let's so let me follow up on that if I can cuz yeah. I'm just thinking back to my own, you know, my own time in seminary and how hard it was. I didn't have kids at that time uh at least until the end. My daughter was born um 2012 um <laughs> july 2012 yes. so i actually i think i did the last year of seminary with my daughter um like if i can rem- reminisce for a moment like i'd put her in the bouncer and she'd just like bounce away while i'd be sitting reading and doing my right, right. <laughs> um but obviously you know it was very hard on on the family i know my wife you know I know at times it was like, oh my goodness, Lauren, 
why are you doing this? And I know, you know, getting time off work, um, mm. those things you mentioned. And then, then I appreciate your, your talk about, I imagine there, there does come for most students, probably some kind of, I don't want to say crisis of faith, but some kind of like, some kind of crisis where they're like, what have I signed up for? <laughs> how do you, how do y'all kind of work with students there who are like, like you, like you said, like something changes at their church or their denomination or whatever. And they're like, what am I getting myself into? Like, how do you support right. folks with that? So one, that's delicate. And and, and, yeah. and the reason why I say that is because at times I can feel a level of passion for a person. Like mm-hmm. you can do this. Yeah, you know, I, I've been through it. I've seen other people come through it, but it really comes down to this person, this individual person, family, and what they are going through and what they can handle. Mm-hmm. So my whole thing, and I tell all you know, prospective students, current students, uh, that you know, yes, I want to see Phillips thrive as mm-hmm. a recruiter. I aggressively recruit. I, I live to recruit. I love to recruit. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day. I have to see each individual person. Hmm. So the best thing I do is when someone comes to me in this type of situation, I want to acknowledge that one, I see you Mm -hmm. and I see your situation. And because of this situation, it may be best for you to Hmm. take a break from school. Yeah. Or it may be best for you to shift some things within your life, Mm -hmm. maybe become a little more organized, a mm-hmm. little more determined. Mm-hmm. But I find a way to see them and, and focus on what they're going through and then try to help them figure out what they need to do. And the reason why I do that, because I tell them, I don't want you up at 12 o'clock at night writing a paper, thinking about me and feeling <laughs> like, well, he encouraged me to do this. Now I'm stuck right. writing this paper at right. 12. You know, is it was due at eleven. I'm still writing it, and I got two more pages to go. Yeah, and like you say, my wife or husband or, or my partner is right. in bed, comfortably sleeping. The kids are asleep. I'm here doing it. So when that happens, I want you to understand that you know what I decided it. Yeah, yeah. Ulysses pointed. He opened up point A, point B, point C. But at the end of the day, I decided this is where I want to be. So one, I want them to see that I see them, and also help them to where they reinforce their decision on what, on why they are doing this and why they want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, let's broaden this out a little bit. Okay. Where do you think, and maybe not in you, where do you think Phil or in your discussions at Phil's with, with the folks there, like where do you, you or where do y'all think theological education is headed? So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on a seesaw with this because sure. at times I sure. feel that it's, it's, you know, it's declining. But for some reason, I feel like if we hold on long enough that sometimes things in life come full circle, mm-hmm. that things come back. Yeah. I think when you look at theological education, uh, now before it does, I think, unfortunately, some seminaries who may not have the resources to survive. Right. I don't want to say die, but may have to close. Right. May close. Right. But those who have the resources to stay open, I think we're going to see a, you know, we're going to see a, 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 a increase in mm. numbers. Because mm-hmm. I think at one point, uh, just 
throughout history, we've seen things circle back around and in, in, in for the for the good. Yeah. Trends. Mm-hmm. And I think coming to seminary will circle back around because now I know for Phillips, we're being pushed mm-hmm. to look to see, okay, how do we educate the whole student? Yeah. How do we educate the whole community? Mm-hmm. It's not just about educating a pastor for MDF through the Methodist or pastor for MDF through the Disciples of Christ, but how we how we you know uh, educate someone who may be focused on uh, wanting to develop a a garden a, a garden in, uh-huh. in their community mm-hmm. to feed those who are less fortunate. Mm-hmm. How do we educate that person? And then how do we make it to where this person does not come into this platform of education or, or theological study, but then leave with a hundred thousand dollars over their head, right. which is loan debt. Right. And now it's hard to want to give your time, yeah, because because everything is asking for your money, right. So <clears throat> at times, I'll be I'll be honest with you, Lauren. I, I look at it and feel like, man, this it's not looking good. It's like numbers are declining. But then mm-hmm. at times, I'm I'm very encouraged. I'm very encouraged that I think things are going to come full circle. They're going to come back. I see uh, many of my colleagues at, from different seminaries, recruiters and admission officers and enrollment management uh, personnel mm-hmm. who are really love what they do. And they're really trying to find ways to, uh, with faculty and, and uh, leadership, are finding ways to, what can we do to, to educate the whole person, the whole mm-hmm. community? Mm-hmm. You know? So, I think more than anything, just to answer, let, let me let me step, let me stand on and step on it. I think I think seminary education is going to see a resurgence. It's going to see increase mm-hmm. in numbers. Now, with that, we may have a decrease in seminaries. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. is that really? A re- I don't know. But those schools who are able to stay open, I think, are going to see students come back. Yeah, at, at high numbers. Yeah. One thing that I have appreciated about Phillips that y'all been doing for a while, you know, when I think about, when we talk about these topics of, you know, distance from campus and, you know, being bivocational or second career, third career mm-hmm. and student debt is that y'all offer non-degree certificate programs, which I've, you know, full disclosure again, I've referred uh, folks in my churches mm-hmm. to. So talk about um, talk about some of those programs and why those are a good um, a resource for people. Yes. So uh, so here at Phillips, uh, we have two types of programs that you can you can encounter. Uh, two types of programs that you can pursue for a, a non degree uh, certificate programs. Mm-hmm. One of them is a non credited program, which is our Center for Ministry and Lay Training. So once again, it's the CMLT, which we call Center for Ministry and Lay Training. And it's uh, the non-traditional, not non-traditional, but uh, non-credited. But it's a great program. And it's a great program for those who may be going through commission. Uh, It's under the leadership of our senior director, Leslie Lasseur, to where her and her team of uh, uh, Emma Francis could help you get connected it's it's 100% online. Mm-hmm. It's a great program. I've referred uh, people from the church that I attend here in Tulsa who wanted to do something online, but they uh, wanted to connect. So I've referred them there. They love it. They enjoy it. They feel that it gives them that 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 foundation 
when it comes down to theological education in the Christian tradition. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, it's faculty members from Phillips who uh, teach uh, many of those courses and other uh, uh, faculty members or other educators from other places. Also, here at Phillips, uh, students are able to pursue a certificate program, which is credited. Yeah. However, it's a 15 to 16 hour program. Okay. So say, for instance, I would come in, say I want to do the uh, uh, you know, biblical studies. Mm-hmm. So basically, I would take the intro to Old Testament, intro to New Testament, and then take the advanced part of that. So that's right there is uh, uh, three hours. That's 12 hours. And then I would take another class, maybe another advancement class within yeah. either the uh, Hebrew Bible or the old, I mean, Hebrew Bible or the New Testament. And then that would get me to my 15 and I would have that certificate that I can use if I'm already in a place of of active ministry or if I'm trying to pursue a place. I can bring that to the leadership and say that I've this I've done some type of training. Mm-hmm. Also, I can do the languages. Right. Uh, you could do Greek or you could do the Hebrew languages for the 15, 16 hours and then use that towards if you were looking to do a Ph.D. program or mm-hmm. you, you want to go to a MD program here at Phillips or to another school. Those hours would transfer in most schools uh, who are ATS uh, uh, accredited will accept those hours, if, especially if you make a B or A. Right. Right. In a class. So. So that's that's. A couple of programs for students who may say, I don't want to do the traditional school. I don't mm-hmm. want to have to uh, come there and go to a 38-hour program, a 48-hour program, and, and I sure don't want to do an 81-hour program. Right. But I do want to I do want to do some some continuing education. I still want to learn. Mm-hmm. We have the, the, the Center for Ministry in, uh, in Lay Training where it's uh, things about three hours, three uh, not three hours, but three years, three and a half years, maybe four, mm-hmm. where you get a certificate. Uh, many ministers get commissioned with that certificate. So it's a legitimate uh, uh, piece of paper that shows that you have done some type of academic uh, work. And then we have the, the credited uh, certificate here at Phillips. So so we have this. So please uh, contact me if you're interested. Yeah, yeah. So well, I've been saving kind of the thing that I'm most excited to talk about. And this is kind of a shameless plug, but hey, I'm going to reveal <laughs> my my bias here. Y'all are working on a on-campus initiative, which again seems pretty radical for what the conversation we've just had about, you know, struggling seminaries and non-traditional students and student loan debt. Talk about kind of the the mission and vision behind that that project and what's the details. Yes. Yeah, so you are talking about the lodge is yeah. what we're calling it here at Phillips. When you look at if you've ever been on our campus, the the South where the Tabernay uh, Conference Center is, the TCC, uh, we are going to build a lodge. And you say one thing about the the death of students and uh, everything. So what we're trying to do is create this lodge. One, it's going to be a place that's going to uh, uh, help us create a vibrant community mm-hmm. uh, here on Phillips, which I think that is one of the greatest assets of Phillips. And I yeah. didn't say that earlier, but it's community. Mm-hmm. And because of our size and uh, students are able to come in through that formation, develop community. So we feel the lodge is going to create a vibrant commu- community. Uh, it's going to be a place to, to provide inclusivity and support for students when they're here in town. Mm-hmm. A great number of our students are distance are distant learners. Yeah. So when they come in town, they find through our help, we, we have a list of uh, places that students can stay 
why they're here. And a lot of times we will talk to these places and let them know that students will be coming. Uh, but we do feel that by us building this lodge, now students will be able to commune, uh, to have more community by being in the, under the same roof. Yeah. Right near the uh, the school. So then you can just walk out from your uh, your room at this lodge across to the uh, the campus and go into your class where well, you won't have to one fly into Tulsa, drive into Tulsa, find a place to uh, to stay for the week uh, for one of our concentrated courses or even one of our hybrid courses and then commute back and forth. You'll be here on campus. But then in the evening times when classes are over, students will be able to go to an area which it's uh, we're going to have, uh, you know, a, a, what a fitness room, a mm-hmm. conference room. Uh, a shared kitchen and lodge area for students to go in and, and to commune together mm-hmm. and to have some community and and, and be um, with each other. You know, we're looking at a labyrinth in the courtyard for mm-hmm. students to have some spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. We're looking at here at Phyllis, we've really been getting into uh, art because mm-hmm. uh, we want to show all, you know, art from multiple and different diverse artists. Mm-hmm. So we have an art gallery, a fitness room, and as a, you know, it's considered uh, it's going to be a, a a real spacious and modern design place. I yeah. think 30,000 30, square feet uh, or more. Uh, I think we are looking at 25 uh, rooms that students, mm-hmm. if they come with a partner, uh, they will have their own room, uh, their own shower, uh, own bathroom. So it'd be great. It's two stories and uh, we're looking forward to it. And with what you said is is going to be offered to students at a price that would be probably better than any other accommodations within the city. Yeah. So hopefully that can help students reduce the amount of the amount of pressure and debt that it takes for them to travel to Tulsa to to engage the sacred text to engage some some uh some texts or even information on uh, the the curriculum mm-hmm. that's helping them, you know, grow in, in, in their respected area. But now they could probably breathe a little easier knowing that if I call, when I call a week or two before classes, maybe a, a more than that, that I have the, the opportunity to stay on campus basically. And, 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 uh, don't have to worry about driving. Don't have to worry about, uh, you know, the conditions of the place that I, I'm unfamiliar with because I don't live in Tulsa right. that I'm coming to. You know that we would do our best to, to show you number great hospitality and accommodations. So yeah. once again, you got me excited, Lauren, because we are all excited no, about I mean, this lodge. I'm excited because I know that was a challenge for me when I traveled down there. Um, finding a place to stay, finding a place that was affordable, trying to figure out how to get back and forth to campus, you know, and, and, and I know talking to you and others from the seminary, like it's not, you all want to do this, not just to be convenient, but also to be a place of hospitality for those not like myself, you know, uh, non-white males, you know, folks in the LGBT community and such who are not always welcome in other spaces they are finding hospitality. So I think, just such a great, um, great initiative, and I'm, I'm real excited about it. Wishing it had existed, you know, ten, fifteen years ago. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, I agree with you. We're running long here, but I, I promised Ulysses I'd ask him one football question here that I'm kind of dying mm-hmm. to ask. 
And we'll kind of frame this maybe from an organizational question. So Ulysses, I'm in Colorado and obviously, um, <laughs> you know, the University of Colorado has been yes. really interesting with with the Coach Prime Dion taking the mm-hmm. taking the lead there. They had a real hot start. Really been struggling of late. Things are kind of going sideways a little bit. And then, like the Broncos, the other big team here in town, start off atrocious, like just horrible, and have now won three in a row. And people are starting to get a little little bit of hope and juice. Beyond that right. team, so you've been you've been a lot you've been around a lot of locker rooms and teams. So I, I want you to try to tie this into like an organization or a church. Like, what sure. is it about? Like, I mean, obviously, success is kind of harder to measure in a church or organization. But what is it? Right. What is that kind of like that juice or that momentum? Like, describe what that feels like and how that things can just. I don't know. Shift. I don't even know how. Yeah, how they can shift like that. Right, shift. One, Lauren, I say it's when so much of what you do from the church, uh, athletics, mm-hmm. depends on others. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you find that. You <laughs> find the shift. Mm-hmm. Start off one way, then all of a sudden it changes. And you like, as a leader, as a participant, as someone who's going through the daily the daily grind with all everyone else, like I'm doing everything the same. I'm consistent, mm-hmm. but then there's some people around you that's not consistent, mm-hmm. or they just not they for for whatever reason things for them are not clicking as well as things are you are clicking for you, or it could be you. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my experience with both, you know, it's it's the people's game. Hmm. When you, when I've learned that when you are in the service business and when you deal a lot with people, uh, each day, each week can change. The one thing that as a coach or even as a minister, as a, say with the church, I've seen them where churches grow. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, what's going on? And then, then what happens? Churches start to build new stuff. Right. Because they think people like the new stuff. And you know what? It may bump attendance for a while. But then people tend to, to scatter again. Mm-hmm. So the big, the, one of the biggest things I've seen that is one consistency hmm. as a leader, as someone who's participating, try to be as consistent, no matter where you are on, on a spectrum. If you just a member, try to be consistent to where if the church calls upon you or the leader calls upon you, they know they can depend on you. Yeah. If you're the leader mm-hmm. and people call upon you, be dependable, you know, and the same thing with athletics. Uh, that preaching consistency. Mm-hmm. At least I know what we are going to get. Yeah, and and that's how I live. Even as a recruiter, I want to be consistent with 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 any prospective student. Uh, as a member of the church, and I serve, I want to be consistent. I want them to know that, that they can count on me. And you see where at times it's multiple people bought into the mission, the vision, the aim, mm-hmm. all of those great things within the church. And then somehow life, uh, oh, we met new friends, or uh, we, we've had a child, or one of our kids went to college. Yeah. So the dynamics of my household change. So now my attention may be driven somewhere else, or one, I just take a step back. Mm-hmm. And then you see where churches were thriving, and then for some reason it feels like the message has gotten a little, a little you know, uh, it plateaued right. and then people start going other places. So it's 
that's why I practice prayer. There you God, go. Please there bless go. me to what I'm doing it right because I don't understand people all the, all the time. I'm still trying to understand myself yeah. a lot of times. So well, let's keep praying for but, the Broncos because sports radio is a yes. lot easier to listen to when they're doing okay. Um, and I would say this about your Broncos with, with Colorado. I would say this: the excitement. I've, I've been on teams where where we were losing, uh-huh. and I don't know how coaches did it, but eat, eat every week they did their best to make you feel and believe that you could win the next one. Mm-hmm. So as a team, you start to play to, I want to win the next one. Yeah. And sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you this, playing where the excitement that Colorado has received compared to what I've heard from other years, Yeah, uh, Dion has brought a great, a great uh, atmosphere there. Yeah. With the Denver Broncos, I know Sean Payton came from the New Orleans Saints. I think Sean Payton is a is a top tier coach. Russell Wilson is a great player. It's just finding ways to build that chemistry. Mm -hmm. When I look at the NFL, every team has a star. Right. It's it's about relationships and it's about the chemistry. It's not. I mean, every team has a star. You you get to draft. College is a little different. Mm-hmm. The cream gonna stand the crop a, a lot of times because I get to cherry pick the players I want. Right. College, I mean NFL. If you do bad, you get the you get the best players. Mm-hmm. You know, college. If you do well, you win the national championship. I can go out and get the best players. So just restock my team. So I think it's good. I think Colorado in a couple of years, Denver and the University of Colorado is going to be a great place. I I already hear that Colorado is a great place. So I'm looking forward to visiting one day. Yeah. You said promise not to move here. We have too many people. That's it is. Right. (laughs) Well, let's take a visit. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with some closing questions. All right, we're back with Reverend Ulysses Allen and uh, appreciate that little extra football talk there. Um, we could have yes, a little, we could probably do another 45 minutes on that, but we won't. Uh, Ulysses, you can take these closing questions as seriously or not as you'd like to, but if you're Pope for a day, what would that day look like for you? Oh, we're going to have a parade. Okay. I, I want to be in the Pope mobile. I want to be able to ride in the Pope mobile. We're going to have a parade. Uh, I'm probably going to eat. I'm going to eat a little different than a pope. I'm going to have a lot of seafood. Okay. A lot of Louisiana food. Okay. Yes. The Vatican is going to be full with gumbo, boudin, crackling, seafood. And we're going to have a parade. I don't know for what, but it's going to be a parade. <laughs> I'm going to ride in that pope mobile. Love it. Um, what's a, a <laughs> theologian or historical Christian figure you'd want to meet or bring back to life? I got. All this is about Jesus. We got to bring Jesus Christ back. If I have a if I have a chance, I want to bring Jesus Christ back and say, "Look, He's here." Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, ask all the questions. Let's see. You know, two fish, five loaves of bread. Let's let's go sit outside. We're gonna have food. We good. So yes, that I, I want. I don't think I've ever gotten that answer. Some interesting oh. eschatology there too. I guess right. Yeah. Um. What do you think history will remember from our current time and place? COVID-19, hmm. I think it, it it shifted the world. COVID-19, it really did. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't even talk about COVID in, in seminary. Um, what right. are your hopes for the future of Christianity? I said it earlier, a resurgence. A resurgence in praise, worship, attendance, community, 
in direction. Mm-hmm. And and I say that real quick, Lauren, because I when I was growing up, the church was the place where you where the community found direction. Mm-hmm. Now a lot of times I see that the church is looking like for the, is looking for direction from the community. Mm. You know, a lot of times I've seen where preachers will use secular things to make sure that hey, I'm I'm connected to the community. I didn't talk about, you know, this TV show or this rapper or this celebrity mm-hmm. or this situation where back in the day we went to church mm-hmm. for, for the direction. Yeah. That's good. So, yeah. That's good. Um, where can people connect with you if they're like, hey, Ulysses, I want to go to seminary. I want to take a class. I want to talk more about Phillips. Mm-hmm. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So, uh, you can reach me on my office phone, which is 918. 918- Two seven zero six four six three. Also, I'm on Facebook, Ulysses D. Allen. Uh, it's my personal Facebook page, but if you inbox me or message me or even uh, tag something uh, and just say anything about Phillips, I will contact you, get back with you, and uh, talk with you about what we do here at Phillips. My whole goal is to to uh, provide you with opportunities as you embark on the journey of your life. Good. Good. What's the website? The website is www.ptstulsa.edu. As www.ptstulsa.edu. I think there's technically like two other PTSs, right? Because there's yes. like a there's like a Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. There's obviously yes. Princeton Theological Seminary. Yes. This is the best TTS, right? You'd say, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I would truly say. All right. Truly say. Well, Ulysses, I appreciate your time. Appreciate the conversation. I always leave folks with a word of peace. So may God's peace be with you. Thank you very much. It was a blessing. I truly appreciate you. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit future-christian.com. One more thing before you go. Do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're feeling especially generous, leave a review. It really helps us get the word out to more people about the podcast. The Future Christian Podcast is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and Resonate Media. Our episodes were mixed by Danny Burton, and the production support is provided by Paul Romaglevitt. Thanks, and go in peace. Peace.